0: On this episode, Dude and Brad are joined virtually by Mark McLaughlin from Old Line Spirits in Baltimore. We talk the history of the distillery, how it came to be, and what led him to jump into the world of whiskey, all while tasting their single malt whiskey. Find out what we think on this episode of The Bourbon Hunters. But before we get started, do you like our podcast? Do you like bourbon gear? Check out our website at www.bourbonhunters.com to find out more about our bourbon shirts and to buy a bourbon hunter Kinsey dram. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us on our hunt for great bourbon. Reward yourself and sit back, grab a pour, kick up your feet, and enjoy Welcome to another episode of the Bourbon Hunters, I'm Dude Poole, I'm joined by Brett Ryan, and today we have Mark McLaughlin from Old Line Spirits, and uh, he is joining us, he's got
1: a drink in hand like we do, and uh, we're going to talk about his whiskeys today, talk about the distillery, and uh, Mark, go ahead and introduce yourself.
2: Yeah, well hey guys, thanks again for having me on, Mark McLaughlin, uh, one of the co-founders of Old Line Spirits, coming at you from Baltimore, and uh, just excited to hear, sit here and, and talk whiskey with you guys and have a drink.
1: That's awesome. So, just before we get too much into the whiskey, I've got family that used to live in Baltimore. Then they moved out to Westminster, and okay. then uh, from there, uh, they uh, they scattered out a little bit. They're in Virginia, I think uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and that kind of area. But they're still all close to that to that area. So, got cousins and uncles and aunts. It's
3: a very like historic yeah. area. That you know what I mean? All of that right there on yeah. the east coast, just no. like a very historic. I love – anytime I've gone to
1: Baltimore, I love going down onto, like, the the bay front area there and getting some crab. and Absolutely. Crab. uh, Singular? Singular? Okay. (laughs) uh, Good to clarify. Yeah. Uh, And I like the way they do it down there, like where they put the seasoning on the crab. So as you're manipulating it, it gets on your fingers, then you get it on the meat. It's kind of a neat uh, neat way to do it. I'd never done that before until mm-hmm. eating there in Baltimore. So that, that's kind of neat. Definitely a lot of culture there for sure. So so tell us a little bit about the distillery and, and some of the history of the distillery and then um, we'll follow up with uh, talking about yourself and how you got there.
2: Yeah, no, well, great. Uh, well, actually, it's funny. I'll start with just Baltimore in that, um, you know, I'm not from here. I'm from the Boston area originally. And oh, nice. uh, my, my business partner, Arch Watkins, he's from Tallahassee, Florida. So we ended up, just before I even get into the whiskey is kind of getting to Baltimore. Like I've been here what what years of twenty three? I've been here eleven years. And uh, you know, twelve years ago, if you told me I'd live in Baltimore City, I'd call you crazy. But yada yada yada, it just kind of <laughs> the way it worked out, you know. Yada, yada. So, uh, the great Steinfeld part. reference. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. that's right. Oh man, I got I got yada yada no, yada. Yeah.
1: I mentioned the bisque. The,
2: yeah. the bisque was good, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah, so it's a, it's a it's a great little town. You know, it's a place I never ever would have thought I'd live. And um, you know how how Arch and I got here actually is probably a great way to start. Is that we're Navy buddies. We used to fly planes together for about ten years oh, that's on active so cool. duty. Yeah, it was fun. We were uh, we were good. Thank we you for your service, uh, By the way, yeah, oh, you get Too far into it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, we were the the weapons systems navigator guy, kind of like you know the goose, if you will, and uh, did cool. that. Loved it uh, and both decided to get out of the service for different reasons. You know, it's a hard choice to make because we both loved it, but, uh, I ended up going to grad school, uh, becoming an investment banker and Arch went out and became an engineer. And both of our careers took us to Baltimore. Um, and, uh, you know, after about two years of investment banking, I realized actually about one day after I started, I realized it wasn't for me, (laughs) uh, but but I did it for two years as as a, as a, I'm a thick headed glutton for punishment and, uh, you know, learned a lot. Glad I did it, met a lot of good people, but it just wasn't the right fit for me. So, this whole kind of itch had been at going at me for a while of wanting to have my own business. You know, and I, you know I went from a job in the Navy where I loved flying. I love the people. I was very satisfied with, I mean, most everything really, it was the reason I got out was mostly lifestyle. Like, you know, family, raising a family in the military is really hard and yeah. God bless people who do it. Um, but that was a consideration. So at any rate, the point there is I left a career that I loved working with people I loved uh, and went into this job that I really didn't like. And, uh, I'm like, this is, just, you know, life's too short. So I had this idea, you know, I wanted to have my own business. I wanted to make something. And, you know, I, I love whiskey and whiskey was just in 2014 was just starting to get to be this kind of really, you know, craft scene, if you will, for lack of a better term um, was really starting to take off. So, you know, just decided, Hey, if not now, when, and, and just, you know, quit the banking job and jumped in with both feet. So, um, yeah, I wish I could tell you it was a little more calculated because that smarter person would probably tell you they came up with the whole business plan first and, and did this. And I just was, you know, working 80, 90 hours a week. And when I wasn't working, I was trying to see my wife and kids. And so at a certain point, it's like, well, if I don't, I'll never get off this merry-go-round if I don't just jump off. So jumped off with the idea of, I hopefully am at least, hopefully I'm average intelligence and average capability and I have an average chance of succeeding if I try this. (laughs) And that's kind of what I, what I, what I went with. So, um, yeah, it was 2014, and the wild thing that happened there is that you know, uh, you know, I've been thinking about making bourbon uh, and rye bourbon for all the reasons anybody would want to make bourbon. It's you know, a it's a wonderful whiskey. Be it's quintessential American style of whiskey, and yada yada yada. Sorry, I'll stop saying that. No, uh, I'm uh, not
3: going. I don't mind it. Now,
2: now I won't be able to stop. I don't <laughs> Uh, and then rye whiskey, you know, also a wonderful category and rye had just started the resurgence that rye's experience in Maryland, as you guys know, is a, a big historically a rye producing state. So those are the things we, Arch and I set out to do. But about uh, maybe four days after I quit my banking job, I was out at the, uh, in Seattle for a wedding and there happened to be the American Distilling Institute, which is uh, for those you know listening who don't know what it is. Think of a, it's like a grassroots it's an organization that supports the grassroots development of distilleries in the U.S., so supporting the quote-unquote craft movement. And, um, you know, this conference was happening the same week I was going out there for a wedding in the same place, basically. So I said, all right, I'll go out there and crash into a buddy's couch and went to this conference and uh, quickly realized, like, I knew I knew nothing going out there. And I realized, like, I know less than nothing. I, I am just a babe in the woods with this stuff. I, You know, I, I knew I liked whiskey and I knew oh, this or that, but I really knew nothing. And uh, on the second day of the conference, I bumped into a guy in the seventies, I was just sitting on a couch looking at my email, just kind of realizing I had health care and a job a week ago, and I didn't today you know and uh <laughs> and uh he plopped down next to me and starts chatting me up, and within a few minutes, you know he comes out and i'm a I'm a veteran and he's a veteran as well. He's an army vet uh from Vietnam, and uh I said, "Hey, I'm trying to start a distillery. I live in Baltimore, and you know he's like, "All right, man, well, I'm selling mine. you want to buy it <laughs> so I'm oh these folks." Uh so having been a, a banker five days prior doing like M&A, I'm thinking, OK, he's, this this is probably some big business. Like, who's your attorney? Who's your banker? Have you got any offers yet? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. slow down, slow down. You're the first guy I've told. So <laughs> he, he, his 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 version of the story is he walked in a big room, knew, knowing he came to this conference because he lived about 90 minutes north of Seattle. And he came to the conference because he was looking to sell his business because his business partner was terminally ill and it was kind of just time to move on. And he's like, I came here to, I figured there'd be a lot of people looking to start new businesses. So if you want to sell a small business, great place to be. I walked in and looked around and you were sitting by yourself like a loser. So I went over and talked to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's, uh, so, uh that's yeah, funny. it's um, great. So his name
2: is Bob Stilnovich, which of, of all names, Stilnovich is a good one. So, uh, and his business partner who unfortunately died right before we, um, went out there to apprentice, uh, was Jim Caudill. So those guys had this great little distillery called golden Northwest distillery. Making American single malt whiskey, and we just fell in love with it.
1: Wow! All right. So, did you end up buying then? I mean, you're in Baltimore, so did you end up buying his distillery out in? In we uh, did. So how we did, did eventually. that eventually? So how did that work out? Are you still owners of that distillery out there, or did you move it somehow?
2: Well, so, moved it, and the, somehow I understand why you said somehow. If you saw how small this was, it'd be, somehow <laughs> it'd be obvious. It was very, very small. <laughs> Uh, the entire thing when we ultimately bought it, uh, not not the barrels, but the actual like production equipment and and the, you know Knickknacks and everything else that came with it, the asset purchase, uh, fit into 26 foot U-Haul. It was tiny. Oh, um, wow. so this this to kind of get to describing it, I guess. So, you know, I left this conference, Bob had said, Hey, you know, come check this out. And I was a little bit um, reticent for a couple of reasons. One, it didn't fit the paradigm that was in my head of like, hey. I'm gonna start this thing completely from absolute nothing. Blah blah blah. You know, yeah. buying somebody else's business didn't fig- fig- figure into my thinking at the time. And I, m- not least, which is I have no money, right? Um, so that's you need that to buy a business. And then <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't I I'd never heard of an American single malt before I met Bob. You know, at the time it was 2014. It was still very very new. Yeah. Uh, he and Jim were amongst yeah, the first. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. not it's it's not any big now. It's it's still. It's I mean, it's now it's, it it's, what
1: it's what everyone. There. Yeah, and I mean, I came from streaming media, which everyone said was the next big thing for 20 years. And right now, I feel like single malt whiskey is in America is that kind of that next big thing. That's that's the thing everyone's talking about. Like you had your rise, kind of you know, come up after a bourbon a little bit, and then now you're just starting to see a lot of these distilleries come out with a single malt. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's uh, you know, it's going to grow. I'm not sure where our taste buds are on this spectrum, but we definitely are seeing it more and more for sure.
2: Uh, agreed, agreed. And um, it's uh, well, I, there's so many things I want to talk about today. One of the things will be just what you said. You know, it is growing. Uh, our biggest challenge, which I'll come back to later, is really um, the best way to sum it up. I guess is if you think of like a busy liquor store on a Saturday afternoon in September, maybe 500, maybe a thousand people show up. I don't know the number, but I'm right now. I'm lucky. What drove one person that day to the store was that they were out of American single malt and they needed more. What's driving them to the store is they're out of beer, wine, bourbon, rye, scotch, truly, whatever. So we're, as an industry, we're almost trying to latch on and jump in the shopping cart with somebody who's there for something else. But uh, that's, that's, uh, but uh, that's just part of being in in uh, in a new category. But to jump back to where we were, um, Your question was, you know, you know, how, how do we basically get it from the West Coast to to Baltimore? You know, uh, went out there, uh, and Bob invited me out, so I went out there a few weeks after that. I first met him and and stayed in his guest house and made whiskey with him for a couple. Of, you know, just met, followed him around for a couple of days, and just loved it. Fell in love with what he was doing. And uh, actually, a, a friend and colleague who's recently passed away, unfortunately, Richard Wolfe uh, was our one of our board members. I don't know if you've ever heard the name. He's a great guy um and used to the used only to be the it
1: uh, dick will oh, find you know. was la law or no is it la oh, uh, not la yeah, law was, uh, boom, boom, boom,
2: the, uh, oh uh, god it always said law and order yeah law and order thank you yeah yeah uh, but a uh, different yeah. guy different guy but <laughs> okay. uh richard went out there with me and and uh you know he's a big bourbon he was a big bourbon guy you know he used to he was the coo of uh buffalo trace for quite a while and you know, he's a bourbon guy and he's like, hey man, I think there's a big opportunity here. These guys are doing something different. They're tiny, but you know, the juice is really good and they're doing something different. Like, might want to you might want to consider this. So, you know, went home, scratched together enough money to buy the business. And once we had it, we went back out. And then Arch and I lived at Bob's guest house and apprenticed uh, for a couple months, you know, enough to know enough to be dangerous. And then uh, <laughs> pa- packed the whole bad boy into a U-Haul and shipped the barrels intermodal and then came back to Baltimore. So that was twenty fifteen. 2016, we finally uh, late. That was early 2015. Late 2016, we finally got a distillery close to open. Uh, so that interim was a was a nightmare. Uh, and the reason I bring that up is that you know we came back to Baltimore ready to rock and roll. We, we're going to start this. You know, it's a little tiny distillery. You could put it back together really quickly. We want to start making whiskey right away. And uh, it just should not turn out that way. So that's where Richard, the guy I mentioned, actually introduced us to. Mm-hmm um Middle West Spirits out in Columbus, Ohio. If you guys know those
3: guys, they're great. Yep. They're uh, best yeah, best friends. That's where that barrel came from back there. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah, right. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was just talking to Ryan on Friday, actually.
1: Oh, wow. yeah, okay. that's
3: hilarious. Yeah,
1: yeah he uh, was. Uh, great. Where people. was I? Where was I at that? Uh, oh no, they were just on Black and Brown podcast, and he was traveling, right. and he didn't get to be on it. But uh, okay, yeah, yeah.
2: Yes, yeah, so small West, world. They, uh Oh yeah, and they're and they're just fantastic people, and uh, they helped us. So when we realized, right, we originally. We always knew we'd want to do some sort of contract production as we grow. We always envisioned we would top out what we had in house and then go contract. But by virtue of the fact that it just took so long to get this place open, and we were depleting whiskey that we were bottling that Bob and Jim and made, but we weren't making more. It was really you know that's a that's a good way to kill your business. So right, we uh, you know you know uh, Ryan Lang out at Middle West said, hey, listen, you can you know we can make it here with you. You can be really as evolved as you want to be, which is great. Um, you can use your grain, your you know, your mash bill, your yeast, all these things that. No one else at the time would let us do um, yeah. you know back then it was more sushi menu like hey you want a bourbon thick Mashville a B or C and, and there's nothing right. wrong with that you can make no, no.
1: that way yeah contracting uh, is definitely becoming a little bit more popular uh, really? and but there's still only a few a handful that still do that even
2: so yeah yeah Middle West and Bargetown does a good amount now and uh, obviously mgP but it's uh those guys well, that was the best thing we could have done I think was just learning from them and you know yeah. being panned. so we've been able to put away a good amount of barrels for a small company.
0: And I don't even know that MGP does contract anymore. I think they only do sourcing now. I think I, uh, they, they may have right. a
1: select like grandfather group that they allow to do that with. But I don't think they bring in new contract distilling anymore. I could be wrong, um, but I thought I've, I thought I heard someone say that. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. So when you made the move from you know uh, Northwest over to to the Baltimore area, and then you started contract distilling with uh, Middle West, did you use the same mash bill they were using out in the Northwest? Did you bring everything?
2: Yeah. Exactly the same. So we use same Nashville, and we started off with the same yeast. We've since made some adjustments, you know, working with Ryan um, to make some slight adjustments. Still the same grain, which for us is big, uh, and I'll I'll come back to that in a minute. But the um, the big thing was the yeast, and you know, as you guys probably know, that a lot of distillers and brewers don't want somebody else's yeast in their building because it can propagate, it right. can get off in the rafters, it yep. can do whatever, and can, and all of a sudden, you what know, your your yeast is good for your spirit isn't necessarily good for you know so, ryan is Pumpkin rye right so yeah. um but they were very confident in their ability to manage that which they have very well um uh, but yeah same same actual, same uh, malt house we use uh, great western malt house out of uh, vancouver washington and uh that's what bob and jim used and we haven't seen no reason to change we love what they produce and uh, they've been doing it for forever you know since the 1800s i think All um, right,
1: so let's take a real quick break um We've got two glasses here filled with your old line American single malt whiskey, um, just the regular white label. It's not the cask or or uh, or bottled and bond. But um, so, talk us through that product. Talk us through the other products you currently have out, and then let's continue this conversation about.
3: Uh, yeah the rest of the history here because i want to get into some of this we're going to have a pour while you talk about it too yeah
2: yeah please I, i'm sitting here sipping myself and i should <laughs> uh, encourage you guys to do this no
3: you're the, no, uh, no, we,
1: we always do a primer bef- so it's not the first thing that touches our lips and then so we finished that a few minutes ago while you were talking and now we're uh ready for this cool. so.
2: well yeah so what you got here is what is currently our flagship expression um of our american single malt, and really what we're going for which is you know continuation of what bob and jim were doing a golden is, uh, you know, it's an American single malt definitively leaning towards the American side, which is to say, you know, in this category of American single malt, um, there's a lot of people doing a lot of great things, and there's people who kind of lean more overworld um, and people who lean a little more into the new oak aging like we do. Uh, so everything you're tasting now is aged in number four char virgin oak, uh, very much like a lot of bourbon distilleries. So we're really embracing what that greets you off the nose, I think, is, is really an American whiskey. Um you know it's not gonna smell exactly like a bourbon but it's gonna give you a lot of things that a bourbon has on the nose i was
1: gonna uh, say for a yeah. single malt mm-hmm. and like i said i'm not i don't know if i haven't had a lot of very good single malts yet i've had a we couple have, that i've enjoyed yeah i've but, had
3: a lot in general i will say that yeah
1: i've had probably less than 20 but of those i'd say over half i haven't liked um mm-hmm. but i will say already more promising than most single malts i've had the nose on this is really nice uh it's sweet uh i do get like you said almost uh, some similar characteristics to uh uh you know like a, a bourbon but it's definitely not you know like a, there's obviously no corn there but uh <laughs> but there's are you getting like a little bit of a cocoa or, or chocolatey type of um uh like yeah, cacao maybe or something yeah like and that? There,
3: there was some kind of like like walnutty type and i don't that's the see walnuts always one
1: of those ones that kind of slips under my radar
3: any yeah. of those like, something's
1: familiar about the nose on this yeah so. it's uh, there's something and i think i'm getting some oak too which is
3: yeah welcoming as well and but, we've had a few malted like bourbons and that could be that malt yeah coming through um but well, go ahead
2: well actually well uh what dude but you just commented on on, the, on the, the dark chocolate or cocoa or whatever is uh that ties perfectly into kind of where we were going because you know, we're aging this very much like a, like an American rye or or a bourbon, and but you know, it's 100 percent malted barley. As you know, we're a single malt, so that's the only grain that we we use, and we but we can use different types of malt barley, um, and we have a 87 13 split on most of what we do. 87 percent is a two-row pale malt. Um, basically, for those of you listening, uh, it would be a very common base malt for using making a lot of beers. Um, think of like light, you know, uh, like a lot of loggers and things like that. Um, and then 13% of it is a, what's called a crystal malt or a deep kiln roasted malt, which is, uh, ours is called C120. And that, to give you an example of, you know, it's the grain. Again, this is for people listening who may not know about malting. The reason that it's important that we use two different types of the same grain is that the malting process, the process of kind of tricking the grain into sprouting, uh, in a place called a malt house, which is another business. And then drying it out, basically kickstarting a natural conversion of starch to sugar before we get the grain. Uh, the way that that grain is processed, and in particular the way it's dried out, at what temperature makes a big difference. So that C120 is dried out at a higher temperature, and that caramelizes some of those sugars that it started to form. And so if you were to take a taste of the the first grain I mentioned, the, the pale malt, and, and eat it uh, before we you know grind it up for for mashing, it would taste kind of like grape nut cereal. Um, so think mm-hmm. like. Uh, you know, mildly sweet, grainy, pleasant, right? But not like, not sugary sweet yet, because yeah. it's still got a lot of carbohydrate in it. And then the other one, the C120, the 13% of our mash bill uh, will taste like raisin bran flakes. So just to give you an idea of that same grain processed two different ways, has a dramatically different flavor. And that that C120 is where that dark chocolate comes from, which I think is one of the things that we're most proud of. That, that, that note that carries through, uh, A, we love it. Um, and sorry, I think one of my kids is walking in. Oh, it's my life. (laughs) Hi, Annie. Um, so, uh, that carries through. And then, you know, later on, we talk about barrel finishes and things like that, like that, that dark chocolate note just kind of pairs well with so many kind of fruity things like Madeira's and ports and cherries. So
3: there is a dark fruit note on this too. Now that you say that I'm going to dive in. Yeah. When you said raisin brand, I was like, maybe that's what I'm getting. There's like a, like that dark fruit
1: yeah and i generally that's something i don't pick up until someone else mentions it so
3: i've heard people say
2: uh which i when i sometimes have gotten this as well but the thing that probably resonates with a lot of people is a chocolate covered cherry yeah or chocolate chocolate covered something with a stone of the with a kind of a pit like a stone fruit yeah. yeah yeah um
1: this is really nice
3: yeah this isn't what i was expecting me neither
1: and it in a good way
3: yeah no um, i should clarify yeah
1: yeah so this i hate to use the word it's very very smooth mm-hmm. um what clean what, yeah clean crisp what what's the uh roof on this one
2: this is 86 and it uh yeah, we're actually soon to bump this up to 95 uh, okay because we think it'll shine even a little bit better at 95
3: but yeah, 86 I see that.
2: um yeah and it's you know we did 86 originally um not necessarily for for me and arch or for like guys like you guys who are big whiskey drinkers uh we did it more for the casual consumer who just to kind of help them kind of ease baby step into yeah. the Introduce brand and then, the, yeah exactly and then the, you know to, you mentioned earlier the bottle and the bond and the cast drink that's where the you know, guys like us tend to gravitate which in mm-hmm. hindsight i probably should have sent you a bottle of that but um <laughs> I, th- that can be fixed uh <laughs> but it's a uh it's a really nice entry level whiskey, and um, I think at ninety, what well, we know at ninety five, it shines really, really well. So this will soon, be in, but with, by the end of this year, in most markets we're in, the ninety five will be on the shelf, um, which is great.
1: This is interesting to me. Um, we, you know, obviously we do a lot of bourbon, but with the wheat or with a rye bourbon, there's a, there's usually a little bit of a rye spice or some sort of something yeah. in the back of the throat. Now I know this is eighty six proof. I'm still getting something. And I'm not super well-versed in single malts, but I'm still getting something. It's not like an uh, an ethanol burn or anything in no. the throat, but there's like a little bit of a, I don't want to say spice because that's not the right word, but it does linger in the back of the throat more than I expected it for not having rye or a, or a high uh, proof point, which is a good, I like those nice finishes like that. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. And I don't, I don't know what to attribute that to.
2: I, uh, I've heard it described uh, as a white pepper, like a gentle kind of white pepper spice, which may be what kind of what you're what you're saying. And then uh, I here's my only explanation. And and bear in mind that I am uh, a guy who in college, I studied history and I got a two point seven eight. So, like, you know, if you you get below an A minus in the history major, like you get a try and I was a B minus. So, like, let's just put it there that I'm not an engineer, not a chemist. Um, that, uh, but I believe, and somebody could correct me on this, that there's a chemical, a natural chemical in oak, white oak. Um, I think it's eugenol and this is, I'm digging back to something I read a while back, which kind of has that, that white pepper ish spice. Mm. Uh, I'm sure a chemist could probably correct me on that, but that's, uh, my point is, I think that for us comes actually from the oak. Uh, whereas to your point for a, a traditional bourbon profile with a, you know, whatever 20% rye or whatever it might be um, you, you're going to get that spice from the the canomes kind of like pickling spice from the from the rye
1: so what i'm going to say is that explanation sounded perfectly plausible so yeah. the next time you say that just say it with some conviction <laughs> yeah. and no, one, no one will question it <laughs> that's, that's the one the, thing uh, i've learned that's, in that's life the,
2: that's the baltimore air uh it's like the air we have in baltimore really just gives it that kind of
1: yeah yeah there you go see that's that's what just gotta you make something up and just go with it and people <laughs> will believe you
3: if you say it with confidence yep. people will believe that's you. right i
1: Most coach committed. crossfit and people ask me questions all the time about oh what about this and i'm like oh yeah that and i give them an answer yeah. and and I walk away and like, usually they're like, Oh, okay, yeah, that, that just makes sense. <laughs>
2: and I have my uh, my dad, uh, my my his sister, my aunt describes him. This is actually at my dad's uh, my grandfather's funeral. It's pretty funny. She was talking about her siblings, and then it's my brother Paul. Is it often
0: wrong but never in doubt is uh, her description <laughs> of him. I so, like that. I do too. I need to, yeah, I I need yeah,
2: to make
1: yeah, a I shirt. Often like wrong right, but never, never, in, never in
0: doubt. That's great. <laughs> I do like those.
1: i own a shirt printing business as well so you might see that on the shirt top. i, I <laughs> hey. might i might send you one of those
2: yeah, i would i would wear it happily
3: oh that is great that is a great line i do i've never that heard would that look but great i great on it. a shirt too yeah <laughs> often or oh ooh, that's tyler that is tyler 100 the guy that's
1: not here today he uh oh,
3: man
1: he had a sore throat today didn't want to come and and uh but he is often wrong he is often, often wrong yeah. <laughs> in fact our ig uh we have a, an instant message in uh, instagram or a message uh thread with a whole bunch of us and it's tyler is just loud and wrong that's what it's called <laughs> so so that that's yeah. the perfect shirt for well, him well that's a birthday gift
2: for him man yeah him. right, right. Oh, i know gosh
1: and his birthday is usually uh repeal
3: weekend and we oh, go to nice. the bourbon trail for that
1: so we're going to have to
3: have yeah. some time we i was got, like his birthday at the same time every year when you're like it's usually i'm like it's always well, the same. Yeah, it's right. always the same day
1: but i'm saying it's almost go, always yeah. the same weekend as like repeal yeah, weekend yeah. or whatever but i it might even be
3: repeal day i, I honestly don't honestly don't remember. remember
1: i don't remember which actual day is repeal day cuz it's always the weekend we're there but
3: anyway i'm going to shift gears real quick and ask you about your label cuz yeah, i'm always yeah. intrigued by labels um yeah. is is any of this have with your influence like in being in the navy Or because I I see like the rope, you know what I mean? And the rope around that reminds me of like the Navy, right? Like, um, and then the waves and everything as well. And while
1: you're answering that, um, history on the name old line, uh, and then talk about, yeah, your bottle and and the design choices. We love bottle designs. We love a simple bottle. Yeah. We love a super ornate bottle. Like there's a lot of things, you know, great labeling, things like that. Um, so yeah. So talk us through that.
2: Yeah, well, thank you. And then, uh, you know, if you need to uh, give me the music to what is it with the award shows and start playing the music when somebody goes on <laughs> too long. Just we let, have a light. I'll know. flash the light. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, just, just kind of give me the cut signal. Uh, so, yeah, so I'll start with the name, actually. Um, so Old Line, um, it is actually the nickname of Maryland, and oh. it is a not a very well-known state nickname, unlike the Empire State or you know, Sunshine State or places that everybody knows. Uh, no one really, unless you live in Maryland, you, most people don't know it's the old line state. And actually, and the people who do know it typically mistakenly think it refers to the Mason-Dixon line, which is the Northern border of the state, which, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole. It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, but that's what a lot of people think it is. And, and the reality is it's actually a great story is that, uh, it was during the battle of Brooklyn, uh, in 1777, I think it was during the revolutionary war. Uh, the short version is that George Washington had the continental army in what is now, you know, Long Island, Brooklyn. And uh, this is up to this point in the war, the British had kind of been like, you know, we were still considered countrymen. They were like not, they, would, they were trying to solve it peacefully as much as they could. Uh, it became pretty apparent that wasn't going to happen. And then Admiral Howe had a bunch of, you know, British Marines and Army guys off from Long Island and said, you know what, we're done, and was landing them and saw that Washington had a weak position and was going to just end the war, you know, that day. Uh, Washington immediately realized how vulnerable he was, and started to evacuate across the East River, uh, but he couldn't do it fast enough. He needed to have somebody to hold off the British. And it just so happened that there was a unit from Maryland, because as you guys probably know, the units were all you know local, right? They, you know, you'd have a militia or whatever right. from mm-hmm. Massachusetts, and you know, different, different towns even. Yeah. Uh, so there was a unit from Maryland that was uh, in the right spot at the right time, and you know, they were well-trained, well-equipped, and he used them to occupy the British Long enough for the rest of the army to escape, and they took like 95 casualties or something crazy. um And because they held the line, he referred to that unit uh, as his old line. You know, they kind of saved the day, and because they were from Maryland, when statehood came, that name was adopted. So we think it's a great, it's a great story. You know, we're military guys, so that you know certainly resonates. And also, it just sounds like a really cool old whiskey name. And no, it does. Yeah, outside mm-hmm. of Maryland, no one knows it. Like you think. uh you know, if we had Empire State Vodka, you know, what, well, if you're in Tennessee, that might resonate poorly. Like, why do I want, want this in New York Vodka, you know? So, yeah, uh, old line, it, you know, we get the local play here, but we don't really have the drag, if you will. And then, um, but that, as that ties into the, the rest of the branding, for those of you who aren't, you know, who are listening, um, it's a pretty simple label. It's a kind of traditional, uh, you know think of like a single malt scotch bottle, tall and and slender with a decent shoulder on it. And the label, we've tried to go for a simple label. Uh, We like simple and, you know, it's white. It's kind of got a curved top and bottom, this reminiscent of almost like a sail. It's supposed to kind of indicate some sort of motion. And then the the, the anchor point of that label, again, for those of you listening is that there's a circle uh, that looks almost like a porthole on a ship. Uh, And then there's, you know, waves, rough seas outside. And what we're trying to do here is, we wanted to take our brand and make it about me and arch to a certain extent, but not in a limiting way. So for example, if we were to put an aircraft carrier on the bottle, you know, that ties in very literally, very directly to our experience. You know, a big part of our DNA is people and, and businessmen like that's, you know, the Navy is a big part of that, but that, you know, that resonates with a pretty small right. part of the population. Right. So we decided to make our brand not about naval aviation or our personal experience, but about bold stories. And you know, our bold story is, flying jets up aircraft carriers it's putting our jobs without a plan and jumping into this and living with this old guy on the west coast and you know like doing all these (laughs) things that you know probably were kind of crazy in hindsight but they worked out Uh, but we wanted our logo to evoke that sense of adventure and excitement and boldness that anybody can look at and feel right you know you could be anybody can look at that and we hope see those waves and get a sense of energy and excitement and that's a, a relatable it's a way to relate our story to everybody instead of making it too narrow. Yeah. Um, and we're actually making some changes to it now. It's going to be largely the same, but one thing we found um, is that we've been very careful not to go too directly, too hardcore in the military thing. It's just not really our style. You know, we're not yeah. like a pound your chest kind of brand. And there's some brands that do, and I sure. And there's some that do it very well, and I, I think that's like great. Soldier, other places, yeah, yeah, totally. To- Horse, yeah. Horse soldier is a great example. And they do it well. it's right. Completely true to what they're doing, uh, and I respect it. It's just not. Our style, it's just we're just different people, right? So, we wanted to make it a little more subtle, and I think we made it too subtle. So, we uh, one thing we have coming up here soon is you're going to see that uh, coming up out of those waves is going to be a jet flying up, and you know, just things like that to tie it in a little bit more literally to uh, you know, our, our past, but uh, anyway. That's so probably longer than
3: you wanted to answer.
1: No, that's no. that's great. That's exactly what we wanted. We love that. I mean,
3: and who it. says that like you didn't do well in history? Like that was a hell of a history <laughs> story. That was fantastic. And <laughs> the,
1: the two nerds of our trio are here. Yeah, <laughs> nice. the other one would have interrupted you four or five times by now yeah. and asked you some questions that had nothing to do with this. So, uh, so it's good. Uh, well, what I will I say
2: confidently when you go to Wikipedia, you might find something <laughs> completely different.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to go to Wikipedia because you <laughs> said it confidently. Yeah, I don't need to. <laughs> um, but no, I mean. What I was going to say before you said poor hole, I thought that looked like a poor hole. And then once once you, um, you know, mentioned that you were, you know, military, Navy, I, you know, that is immediately what I thought. Then the rope around it, I I like the subtle nods because Mm -hmm. people who put that together will see it and potentially gravitate to it, because if they put it together, then they'll probably gravitate to it. Uh, Otherwise, they're just going to be ignorant to it and oblivious to it. Um, But everything you said now that I know it is like really cool.
3: And there's Probably the two but, flags. Too. But
1: what I was going to say too is that it's unassuming enough that if that's the right word, or uh, you know, subtle enough that just the casual observer, or the casual drinker, the casual person who doesn't care about military or whatever, they're just looking for a good bottle of whatever. This will still, as plain as it is and simple as it is, it it's. Because of the shape and the the lines on it, I think it still jumps out.
3: Yeah, it's got that old timey feel that I
1: right. But it also it I still like grabs it. your attention. The mm-hmm. subtlety of it, I think, grabs your attention. I know that's kind of a you know a oxymoron mm-hmm, yeah. to some degree, but but I feel like it grabs your attention because of how uh, not in your face it is, uh, and and the the little things that are subtle about it, like you said, the shape of it that make it you know almost look like a maybe a moving flag, or you know the 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 porthole and and i think all of that together i think it just looks really nice it's been sitting on my bar since we received it i think we've had this for a little over a month maybe now because i know we planned this out a little in advance um and every time I walk in there, like it grabs my attention. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and it's funny because I have two bottles from two different craft type distilleries, you guys and and uh, Filmland Spirits, that were sitting right beside oh, yeah. each other, and they both grab my attention for yeah. different reasons. Theirs is like a full on movie poster, crazy, tons of stuff going on. Yours sure. is simple and and clean, and they both grab my attention. Yeah, which is you know mm-hmm. very interesting to me because you know they're completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But they both grab your attention. So I'm trying to say in a long-winded way, almost uh, more long-winded <laughs> than, than your explanation, that I I like the label and I think it's a nice-looking bottle. So that was that was my long-winded way to uh, that.
2: <laughs> I appreciate that very much. And what you are saying is exactly what we were going for. Is you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of very, you know, uh, a lot of busy labels that have a lot of energy and they're beautiful and great. There's amazing things out there. And we were just thinking of, you know, what's our more our style and what's going to stand out. So, like you mentioned, you know, there's some that that do it differently and they do it a little bit more uh, maybe audaciously as far as what they put on their label. And that works uh, for a lot of brands. And for us, it was what's going to be almost like its simplicity makes it stand out. And exactly like you said. Yeah. And then as far as uh, Brett's comment about the flags, um, that's another little Easter egg from the military. Uh, in the Navy, Marine Corps and Coast Guard, for that matter, I guess, in the kind of the sea services there's a term called Bravo Zulu and you know, Bravo Zulu is a way of saying well done. It harkens back to the days when, you know, ships would communicate with flags and they would, you know, the flag ship, so to speak, would put up the, the B and the Z flag, a way of communicating like, Hey, attaboy, well done to another ship, uh, before radios were used. And um, nowadays when you get a medal or, or let's say you just did something good, you might get, you know, the this, this captain of the ship might get on the loudspeaker and say, Hey, big, big Bravo Zulu to blah, 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 for doing blah, blah, blah. You know? So it's a, it's a way of us to, again, subtly communicate with our Navy Marine Corps and Coast Guard brethren uh, that we're, you know, we're one of them.
3: I figured there was a little Easter egg story with it. And and thank you for sharing. I like yeah, that that's, because that's cool. I would have never known that without talking to you. You know what I mean? Like, that's just something small that I wouldn't have known. And I enjoy that. No, yeah. we love those
1: kind of little details. Oh, I absolutely. Mean, you know, again, us too. Not, not too so much. Not a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. So back to this whiskey and then we'll kind of continue on this conversation. I. Mm-hmm. I I talk about this all the time, multiple episodes I've mentioned this. One of my favorite things about a whiskey or a bourbon or a rye or whatever, I know those are all whiskeys, but um, I think for me, one of the things that I love and is the good sign of of any type of whiskey that I've ever had is the first drink isn't necessarily the same as the last drink. And like you, it, it
3: evolves, it evolves
1: in your palate. The more you drink it, the more it coats your tongue, the more you have it. And, and maybe you breathe a little differently one time mm-hmm. and you you pull in some flavors that weren't there before, but it's not just a, a flat, you know, uh, a flavor. And I feel like this has that I've been drinking it now for however long we've been drinking it, maybe 10, 10 minutes or so. And each, each sip I take is a little bit different than the one before, which to me is a sign of a good whiskey. Like I always use this as an example, and just because I know everyone talks about blends, but like Blantons versus ancient, ancient, ancient age. You know, everyone talks about how, oh yeah, you just take your ancient, ancient, ancient age and pour it into your Blantons bottle. No, no one know the difference, but if you really sit down to a bottle of each, the Blantons, you know, again, at fifty dollars we're fans; at three hundred we're not. Um, mm-hmm. You know. As you drink a bottle of Blanton's, you know it does actually continue to change a little bit as it you doesn't drink it. Doesn't
3: fade off, right? And it's not yeah. flat,
1: whereas the ancient, ancient, ancient age usually is. And so that's an easy comparison that I think most people have the ability to potentially, you know, uh, uh, try. But this, I think, is a great example of that. It, it of the not, you know, being flat.
3: Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't fall off as I continue to drink this. Right, as my yeah. Glen gets, it's, you know, sh- you know, more empty. <clears throat> I don't feel like it. Like it's not falling off. I'm still getting like different flavors. Um, I'm even getting a little more, like a little lingering, like in my mouth at the beginning, I didn't. Yep. And I, I'm a big person and I like a lingering, you know, flavor mouthfeel. Yeah, absolutely.
1: We're both that way. I, and what I say, what I always say about that is that for me, if a, if a bourbon or any type of whiskey does that, and it's a good flavor, obviously it has to be a good flavor, but, um, when you finish your glass, what, what do you want to do? You want to have more, more, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it makes you want to have another pour because you know you feel like, hey, what am I going to get in this glass? That's a little bit different, or or how's it going to evolve now? So it makes you have that second glass, and you know, to be honest, sometimes maybe a third. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's my arch, uh, my business partner, Arch it says the exact same thing. Is that like that's you you almost sound like him, just like that's yeah, you want that whiskey, whether it's old line or something else, right? That that you're intrigued, and like when you're done, you don't want to be done, right? And you want to have another. Yeah. Um, and that's—I think—that's a wonderful thing for a lot of whiskeys, and I'm—I'm I'm lucky that you consider us in that, and I feel like we are too in that in that realm.
1: And to me, I think you know from the get-go, you've always said mouthfeel, buttery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, know, for you me. love that. Huge. I like that too. But I think the more and more I get into whiskey of all different types, because I'm not a huge rye fan, but there are some ryes I like. I'm—I'm I'm not a huge single malt fan, but there are some that I like. This being one of them, and. I think the thing that draws me to some of those is obviously the flavor up front has to be good, but but that complexity, that that evolution as it sits yeah. open, as it you know sits in your glass, as you have more and more of it that's something that always draws me back to it. That's something that'll make me want to have another drink of it and maybe have it for two or three nights in a row potentially Mm -hmm. versus, okay, what am I having tonight? You know what? I'm going to go back to that because I remember last night it was really good. Maybe I ate something a little different tonight. Maybe it's going to be a little different on my tongue tonight than it was yesterday. And, and I love that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know. I, I know I'm rambling now, but, but, uh, I think that's one of the things that I've really started to, to, you know, uh, put my hat on as far as what I, Keep coming back on whiskeys. What really stands out to me. So, and you guys have that. I like it. It's good.
2: Well, I, pre- I appreciate that very much. And, you know, is uh, to take a different spin on that, and this is not just rolled line, obviously, but any sort of, you know, cast strength, barrel strength stuff, if we were sipping on that. Uh, I know some people don't like to do this, but I love throwing a small ice cube in. And I know that some people don't like that, and I, I totally understand it. But I love… Not only that drink to drink transition, like you said, like as just, you know, it breathes and your palate evolves and, you know, it's just all these things, it'll change. But I just love in that moment of, uh, you know, I get 124 proof whiskey, put a little tiny ice cube in it. And just as I drink it, it just, it, it just like accelerates. It's like putting, putting the fast forward button almost. Uh, yeah. as a cl- kind of a clumsy way to describe it. Um, and I, I love it. I love that. I love when my first sip and my last are different.
3: Like more flavors start to manifest when you do that too. Like when you put an ice cube in it, the way it just, just disperses things and it's like, oh, this flavor is manifesting. Well, adding a little
1: bit of water will chemically yeah. change the makeup yeah. of the, of the whiskey. So it will actually make it, you know, uh, a change flavor and then adding some, you know, cooling to it will also kind of, mm-hmm. sometimes I, I, I don't mind it. Like if it's a hot night outside, um, and especially if it's a, a higher proof, oh, yeah. you know, whiskey or bourbon, I'll, I like to put some cubes mm-hmm. in it if I'm sitting outside or something. I generally don't put cubes in mine unless it's a higher proof. Like if it's an 86, like I probably would never, this is something I would, I would sit I wouldn't do sit all day either. long. I, yeah, yeah. yeah um,
2: I'm with you. It's, it's got to be, you know, well north of 100 for me to want
1: to do Yeah, there. yeah, agreed. Um, but, I, but what you're saying about that is 100% I agree. Like that's that's a nice to – it's almost the same as drinking a whiskey that changes as you're, you know, drinking it more and more. You're you're almost guaranteed to get that when you put a cube in. Like you're, you know, as it melts off a little bit, you're, you know, changing that complexity as it goes, and it, the the proof is also changing. So that's kind of neat. You're seeing a whole, you know, change of of it's almost like a, a an analysis, if you will, of like the mash bill itself. You know, you're you're kind of seeing it, you know, through the different proof points, and you kind of mm-hmm. get a glimpse at potentially what was the decision to bottle at this you know yeah. prof- you know this, this proof, proof versus that proof or whatever so it's kind of neat I, I do like that um but yeah this is yeah, this is good i'm going to have another glass here in a second um but yeah i know that we've been uh, jumping in here and interrupting now but go go ahead back no. to your story as far as the different whiskeys you have i don't think yeah, we've sure. gotten to that yet so and where um, they can
3: be found too
1: and then also like if you have any plans for i think when we were looking on the website as so far it's all just single malt whiskeys, right? Is that the plan moving forward? Or I know you mentioned your bourbon fans and rye fans. Were you sure. thinking about expanding that at all or?
2: Yeah. Uh, so it's a great question. So I'll start with, um, I guess I'll start right there. So yeah, we, we, we like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we originally set out with the idea you know, as we were just conceiving of the business of doing you know bourbon and or rye. And the short answer is, Probably no, uh, we're probably not going to make those, and that is not any reflection on our. We, I, mean, I absolutely love bourbon, um, and I love rye too, frankly. Yeah, I like them, I love them both. Uh, so it's not because we don't love those categories that we don't want to do it, it's just that we found that you know, you know, I don't say we're blunt instruments, right? But we know we think we know what we can do well, and I think I know that we what we don't know for sure we can do well. I know that we can make a, a single malt whiskey, an American single malt, and do it very, very well. We we know it, you know, well enough after doing this for you know, six or eight years that we can take this and continue to be, in my opinion, one of the one of the best in the category. Um, if we were to start making bourbon or rye, we're we're starting off hundred years behind everybody else, you know what I mean, uh, <laughs> or two hundred years behind, you know, the big boys. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, could we make a good rye or a good bourbon? I think we could, but. What would be the cost? Right? What would be the time and effort and all yeah. the things we'd have to do to take our attention away from really what is the you know the horse we've chosen? So the the short answer is probably not. Now, we'll say with as a little parenthetical or a little asterisk, you know, we do make a tiny bit of rye right now uh, in partnership with the local brewery um, as an experiment. And we maybe we'll do that with bourbon in the future. But really, if anything, it'll be more kind of just for fun. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll leave the bourbon and rye to the guys who do bourbon and rye well, and we, and we want to be the guys who do the malt well.
1: I tell you, there's um, something to be
2: said for that. I, mean, I appreciate that answer because
1: yeah. I feel like you see <laughs> distilleries that are doing something really well, and then maybe because there's a trend happening, they decide to do that, whether it's finishing a bourbon or finishing a whiskey in something else, or whether it's, you know, jumping into Rise or jumping into something else. I, and I, so I like that. I like, mm-hmm. same, you know, don't be the, you know, jack of all, master of none, right? Be the master mm-hmm. of, of something. And I, I feel like you guys are, again, I have a limited knowledge of single malt whiskeys, uh, American single malt whiskeys. Um, but I will, I will say this is easily up there i i'd have to do a blind for sure but this is up there this is one of the ones yeah that, absolutely there have been a couple of times we've had someone where we've had to
3: they were uh-huh, rough yeah yeah they were rough yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: this is actually really good and i'm enjoying this so um i wouldn't i wouldn't mind if if uh, a bottle of bond came our way i wouldn't mind uh <laughs> testing that out but uh even if it was just a little little small little you know, christmas sample bottle
2: christmas is coming, but, christmas is yeah. coming right
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hey, my birthday's in March. My birthday's in oh, March. Oh, there
2: we go. Oh, what day? What day?
1: March 20th. So right. some years, the first day of spring, some years, the last day
3: of winter. You want any more of this? Maybe? Yeah, I'll do it one more. Uh, here. The here.
2: Uh, so, Noel, well, thank you uh, for, for the comments. And that's how we view it is to just be good at what we do. And, um, you know, for us, it's a, I mean, when you think from like a business perspective, if we were, if we've been making bourbon and rye all along, along with our malt and, I think our sales would probably be higher, frankly, right now, because people know what a rye is, people know what a bourbon is, and, you know, you're not fighting against, like, right now, as you guys already said, like, what you taste is different than what you expected, and that is a wonderful thing for us, but also a challenge, because people assume a lot of things when they see single malt, right? They A lot of American consumers uh, think, you know, very, very smoky, peaty, which, you know, some scotches are, and I right. I, I like that, but uh, some people don't, and then but there's so many scotches that aren't like that. But that the kind of the average, you know, less educated American consumer sees single malt and thinks, you know, licking an ashtray. and that's you know <laughs> not at all what we what we provide. I right? think and, li- uh,
1: licking an old band aid. Ten, <laughs> that's what I think. Band
2: aids and yeah, iodine and band aid, absolutely. Yeah. And they're, they're the things that uh, you know I like those kind of PD um, single malts, but I like them when I'm in the right mood for them. And, and anyway, what we're doing is just very, very different. So, so uh, uh,
1: real quick, just to kind of help with our – because we do have a lot of people that probably just drink bourbon or maybe even bourbon and branch out to rye every once in a while. So define for us uh, – we did an episode on this uh, – it's been probably a year ago now. Um, but define for us exactly what a single malt whiskey is.
2: Yeah, so it's uh, it's going to depend on where you are. Uh, so in uh, Scotland, uh, a, a single malt whiskey is going to be 100% malted barley just like it is here. Uh, Are produced only on a pot still, uh, distilled between, you know, within certain parameters, just like a bourbon, you know, within certain proofs. Fruits, um, yeah. And then uh, age for at least three years uh, in a, uh, typically in Scotland, a used barrel. In America, we're actually not fully defined yet. We're actually on the, on the cusp of being a real category. Right now, we're regulated uh, by the TTV, Um For those who, who aren't familiar, the Alcohol, Tobacco, Tax and Trade Bureau, which is a spinoff uh, from the old ATF. Uh, we're regulated as just a malt whiskey. And if you think about the definition of malt whiskey, take the definition of bourbon and take the word corn out and put the words malted barley in. And that is an American malt whiskey. So we are we are regulated or, or defined that way. What we're trying to do as a category, uh, us and other people who are making it, is define proactively define what an American single malt is. Because if we don't, the government's going to eventually do it and they we're inevitably not going to like what they do so we say, "Hey, let's get yeah do. let's get in front of it and let's say hey this is what it is and what we're trying to do is so you know, we're not trying wait to hold on
1: are you trying to say that the government doesn't do things with...
2: <laughs> no, i'm just yeah, kidding yeah
1: um yeah real quick uh so let me let me guess on this and, and see if i've got this right so if it was just a malt whiskey that just means at least 51% malt according yep. to standard, whatever uh, nomenclature that people use. But a single malt whiskey, does that mean it's 100% malt? Is that the single, definition single malt you're trying whiskey, to drive? The,
2: yeah, the way we proposed it is it's a single malt. American single malt is 100% malted barley, just like uh, in Scotland. Um, it'll be distilled within you know certain parameters. In America, unlike a bourbon where it ha- or American rye where it has to be aged in virgin oak, uh, we're proposing that it's virgin or used oak, whatever the distiller wants. And there's no minimum age, which I think is really important because, you know, for old line, we've been at this for a while. So everything we do is is at least four years, if not looking at five or six plus now. So, you know, putting a minimum age on it wouldn't hurt old line. But what it, who it would hurt would be the person coming after us sure. who wants to get started. If they want to do a 10-gallon barrel for two years or two and a half years just to get started, you know,
1: well, maybe classify it like uh, bourbon. I mean, there's no age requirement for bourbon. As soon as it touches the barrel, it's bourbon. Yeah. But well, that's to be where, straight, no, that's, it has that's, to, that's to be two years. And yeah,
2: no, yeah. No, that's exactly how it is for us. So, uh, I think that's a good thing because I think the, and I'm, and I don't know anybody amongst us, you know, our peers, Westland, Valcones, you know, Westward, you know, all these guys, uh, Stranahan's, guys doing American single malt even before us. I don't see anybody clamoring for that, even though it would be in their self interest to do that because they've already surpassed that. I think what we all want is this to be a big you know, to be a big category. We want to encourage new entrants. So we're just trying to put the guardrails on enough so that people don't get too crazy and wacky and just go off into space. But we want to make it wide enough where, you know, in American single mall, you can try one from Old Line and try one from – a great example is uh, Santa Fe Spirits. Uh, Cole Keegan is the name of their product. Love their stuff. They are totally different than Old Line. And I love that they're different because – what you can get in American single malt is such a really, really wide range of flavors that you really can't always get as wide of a range in other categories. So um, it's a really, so yeah. It's a, but to come back to the original question, yeah, you know, 100% malted barley uh, in America, we can we can produce it on a pot or a column still, which is great, uh, and then age in newer used oak and no minimum age statement. So it's a it's really it's a pretty wide camp, uh, I'm sorry, pretty broad uh, broad brush you can paint with, I guess, put it that way.
1: So two follow-up questions for you. The first one is, are you guys using virgin barrels or are they barrels that uh, have already been used?
2: We're using all all virgin oak. Uh, It's almost entirely number four char. Occasionally we'll get a number three, uh, but number four char is primarily what we're using. And we'll do finishes and things like that. But the backbone of our whiskey, anything that goes either in the bottle, like you're sipping now, or goes into a finishing barrel was originally in virgin oak, which is not because we have to, uh, necessarily by the proposed definition, but because we want to. It's just our style. Um, so yeah, we're doing, and we're experimenting with some second-use oak just to see what'll happen. But everything you'll taste in, on, on the shelf will, will have been in virgin oak for a majority, if not all of its life.
1: Nice. So second question, and I don't think you already answered this. Um, are you still contract, Distilling today with Middle West, and and if so, what's your plan for transitioning? Are you currently uh, doing your own distillate? Have you gotten to that point where you're allowed in in Baltimore? <laughs>
2: yeah, uh, absolutely. So we you know we've been distilling in Baltimore since we opened. We opened our doors in twenty February twenty seventeen at the okay. distillery. At, at the time, we still had Bob and Jim's little sixty gallon pot still. Uh, which, by the way, is open flame heated uh, when we learned on that thing that was a, a disaster waiting to happen. But That's um, it. <laughs> we, you know, we, uh, we converted it to uh, electric when we got to Baltimore because the fire marshal would have laughed at us if we tried to do it. But just just picture like a 20, uh, we're in 25,000 square feet. Just picture like opening day. We had 156 10-gallon barrels of whiskey, three 53-gallon barrels, a little 60-gallon pot still that our distiller jerry god love him had shined up like a penny it would look great uh and then like an empty warehouse and the whole opening day was like we had a freaking u.s senator there We're like hey this is gonna be big you know (laughs) this is gonna uh, be big (laughs) yeah just use your imagination put on those glasses so uh (laughs) and and to go from there and then you know now we get the thing full of barrels a lot of which we made a middle west in ohio but we have right now we have a 300 gallon still which is still very small as you guys know but for us it's, it's good size and so what we've figured out is what we think is our best because we have the ability to be so hands-on with Middle West and we, you know, we can go out there You know, Arch and I were out there shoveling grain uh, onto the auger, you know, for a long time, because Ryan would allow it. He'd let us go out there and, and be part of the process. So we can, it really is truly our product out there. So we see no reason to mess with that. So we're going to continue to pl- produce with them. We just produced them in December. We're doing more in the summer, I think. Uh, but on our still. Uh we do think of like limited batch stuff like our peated, we do have a peated whiskey that we produce. Um most of it's actually almost all of it's still aging. We haven't released very much at all. Um so we'll do that on our still and then whatever becomes bottled and bond um will come off that still as well. And then everything gets aged in Baltimore. Uh, and all that process of managing the barrel aging and you know how we batch it and if we do any sort of blending, all that stuff happens in Baltimore.
1: So how does that how does that happen? So do they barrel it in Columbus and then ship it out, or do they put yep. it in like a container and then you barrel them in Baltimore?
2: No, it's actually it's the barreled bear, and then when we when we're ready, we take them in. So we have about 250 barrels coming in, I think, in the next few weeks. Um, but actually, in asking that question, I realized I forgot a very important aspect of the American single malt definition: is that it's got to be distilled in one distillery, uh, which right. is not that's what the single means, in, right? That's what the single means. Yes, I'm, yeah. and I completely forgot to mention that before. So for us, what that limits us to is you know, even if we produced a whiskey here in Maryland and tried to mimic the flavor profile off of the Columbus still or vice versa, you couldn't uh, the two together. We couldn't we couldn't, yeah, to be to blend those together becomes either a double malt, a bat malt, call it what you will, a blend yeah. of malts. Um, and that's fine. It just isn't you know, the single means distilled the one distillery right. now it can be distilled. So as long as we don't marry together barrels that were distilled in Ohio with barrels distilled in Baltimore. Then we then we meet the definition. So I, I forgot to mention that earlier. That is a, a big the limit that that was a limit an that
1: Irish and yeah. Scotch, uh, yeah. but I didn't know if that was also the case here. So that's why I was wondering that that was one I why I wanted you to define that uh, that label and what that meant. So okay, you talked about uh, you've got a peated uh, that you make in Baltimore. Your bottled and bond is made in Baltimore. Is that yeah. right? Is that what I heard? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely. And so of this line right here. Um, You've got an eighty six, a one hundred proof, then a cask strength, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. and then uh, and then you also have a, a peated whiskey. What else do you have?
2: So, so we sure have uh, we do yeah, we do a bunch of barrel finishes. Um, so the finishes, so before I kind of answer that, I'll say that what we're trying to do, and time will tell if we're successful or not, is that we're trying to balance between experimenting with new things and trying new finishes and things like that and making sure we don't put out um uh, to a, a too too wide variety like kyle had earlier do too many things we can't do it well so our barrel finishing is, is experimentation for us um and we found some that are certainly kind of forever for us like oloroso sherry like neat uh or sorry brett reference rather um oloroso sherry is a winner it just works great with our juice um madeira is a winner tawny port is a winner uh you know, is a winner, but people don't really get sautern So is it, is it a commercial winner? I don't know. Right. So we we try to experiment with new things. And but what we don't want to do is just put out a million new products and all of a sudden be kind of flaky. Um, so our way of doing that is we have a thing at the distillery we call the development program, which is kind of a military term ish. Um, and the idea is that we give people at our distillery a chance largely our whiskey club members uh, to come in and buy a 200 ml uh, bottle of at barrel strength of whatever we have kind of new and coming out in the future it's not you know not done yet it's like a sneak peek and on the back of that bottle it's got all the nerdy detail everything you would want to know about that whiskey is on the back and it's a qr code and they can if they choose give us feedback so it's a way for us to tease out things that are coming and get feedback and and know kind of what we think is going to be well received and what might not so we do a lot of barrel finishes but we try to do them very responsibly and and so because we don't want to just put something out just to put it out or you know we don't want to just buy a good example a, you know let's say buy a px sherry barrel or five or six and then a year later say well we got to sell it now because we have it that's not our style we'd rather you know we don't want to release it unless it's going to be good so uh, the the finishes we're we're taking a broad brush right now and trying a lot of different ones, but we're releasing them via that development program to do it kind of in a very measured, calculated way and find the winners. And the winners are going to make it out to the market. So Oloroso Sherry is, is is hands down our uh, our leading our leading whiskey right now in the finish category.
1: That's a cool way to. That's smart. Develop, yeah, you know, and and figure out a, a way what's going to be popular. The people probably not. love
3: that coming in and getting their staple and, and thinking they have a
1: you know yeah. a, a say in maybe the direction a little bit. That's kind of neat. It's almost yeah. like uh, you know what's the what's the one uh, the Weller the C
3: P oh craft
1: your own bourbon or Yeah, C Y P B or whatever. Yeah, or C Y B. P? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, that, I mean, that giving people that opportunity to provide some feedback, that's kind of neat. I like that. And I think that's a way to get people definitely, you know, ingrained in your, in your, uh, your brand for sure, because they feel like they have some sort of, uh, you know, uh, leg in the game or, or whatever you want to call it. Is that the right? I think so. That's oh, the right. Skin, skin in the
2: game, or skin know, in the game. That's the leg. one. So there you go. Yeah. Skin
1: in the, the game. Uh... Tyler threw <laughs> us <laughs> off with skin on his legs because he had <laughs> yeah. he had a golf cart accident where his whole leg got ripped oh. apart basically. So the guy I don't know driving. Yeah, but I
2: kind of I kind of feel like I do. Oh, you
1: know, I kind of feel like I've learned a lot about him <laughs> already. There's a couple episodes I could
2: send you that you could get a thing. Some <laughs> Tyler isms.
1: <laughs> yeah, Tyler isms. That's our thing. So yeah, go ahead though. Sorry.
2: But no, the, um, and it's, you know, the big thing for us is like, you know, not everything is going to be a winner, right? So like um, we encourage people, we, we know that like, you know, the people that are coming to our, our whiskey Club, that they're already fans, right? So you know, what we do is everything, when you go to that website or sort of the QR code and you put in like, hey, what do you think about this? And there's maybe, I don't know, seven or eight categories of, hey, give your feedback and everything, all those answers and the dropdowns can be put, they're, they're put into a, a numerical value, right? So like a, for example would be, you know, if we release this as a full thing, will you be you know, first in line? Well, I would never buy it or something in between. Right. And all those things have a numerical value. I now, we know that, type
1: thing, yeah. yeah,
2: if 5.0 is perfect and a 0.0 is like, holy hell, this is horrible. We know that <laughs> we're, because we, we have a very loyal crowd coming in because they're our biggest fans, they already like us, we're going to trend high. We know that a 4.2 or 4.4 or whatever it might be is going to be kind of our average because we're getting this to a very uh, – Select Uh, group of already existing fans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But there's still value in that because all we got to do is say, okay, hey, if you know the ones that we love or have done really well, average four point five and above, it's still good data, right? And it's still allowing our consumers to to have input. And you know, it's yeah, we we want them to have input. Like it's you know, they're the ones who've gotten us where we are. So,
1: well, I feel like anytime you do special releases, anyway. Those are generally going to be primarily for already existing fans. When you mm-hmm. do, you know, the agree the people that you're go- trying to win over are the ones who are going to most likely come across, you know, like, for example, this 86 proof. You know, the people that have never had it before, they're not going to try your limited edition that's, you know, maybe another 30 or $40 more expensive than what's currently on the shelf. And that's going to be their first attempt at your. At your, I mean, you'll get those people. Don't get me wrong. Like my wife's a, a package whore. If it looks great <laughs> on the shelf, she, she'll buy it. Doesn't matter if she's had it before or not. If it looks good, she'll try it. But sure. uh, <clears throat> I think that I think that you're doing it the right way because those limited editions, those are generally a nod to your your already existing fans, in my opinion. So that's I think that's good. Oh, thank you, thank you. So I know we're we're over an hour now. We uh, we tend to try to limit to an hour when we have a guest on, just so we can give as much information in a shorter period of time, just to to keep people listening. Um, one of the things I wanted to do was give you the opportunity to to add anything you haven't said, any new products that you might be. Uh, you know, releasing widely if possible, and then also make sure that you have a chance to talk about any, uh, social media stuff. So like your website, your Instagram, stuff like that
2: as well. Well, I I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so, uh, a great place to, you know, the best, well, the place you want to go to find out more would be for anybody listening would be, um, you know, old line, O L D L I N E spirits.com. Um, and really from there, you can find out most of what you want to know. You have to see our lineup. You can see the store locator, uh, and for people in, uh, states that we don't distribute to, um, which the states that we distribute to are Maryland, DC, Delaware, uh, New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts, and Colorado, uh, for people who aren't in those states, uh, there's, it depends on where you are, but there's a, one of our retailers in DC, you know, they obviously have to adhere to the laws of the different states they ship to, but they can ship to certain states as well. Sure. Um, yeah. so through our website, Ohio's on not Ohio. one of them. <laughs> mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can ship Ohio us stuff, stuff like okay. as long
1: as we don't pay for it. Like that's the thing. Yeah, like commercially yeah, yeah. you can't ship to Ohio because it's a control state. So it's just, sure. they don't allow
2: But the, uh, but the other way to you know, track us would be, you know, our, our Instagram Facebook will be at old mind spirits. And then we have a great thing I referenced it earlier. It's called the quarter deck whiskey club and quarter deck is a term for, uh, it's when you, you know, ships in port, we're kind of where you come on and off the ship, where you're kind of greeted is the quarterdeck. Um, it's, you know, it's a welcoming spot. It's kind of, hey, you know, you're, you're packed from an end of town in whatever random port and you're kind of back to the safety of the ship. Um, and when our quarterdeck whiskey club is, uh, it's free to join, and you can certainly join from our website. And really, it's just a way to get involved with what we're doing. Um, people who are local can come to events. We're trying to do more events in market as well. We'll be doing our first quarterdeck whiskey club event, I think, in Colorado soon, um, and it's to really a way for us to, you know, we don't want to spam anybody. We just want to give people a chance to know what's coming out and to see what we're doing. So joining the Quarterdeck deck whiskey club, uh, no matter where you are, uh, you can get an email probably once a month just to kind of get, you know, we don't spam you. just to kind of get an idea of what's happening. Sure. Um, and then as far as, you know, the message I would send, I guess, to people listening would be, um, my biggest thing is really for old lines, It's more for the category. It's just, um, American single malt is probably different than what you expect. And I think that, you know, Old Line certainly, I, I, I think we're doing great things. I think there's just a whole host of other, of other companies in this category that are doing really great things. Uh, and and it's, it's just, it's different. It's, it's uh, you know, we're, no one here is trying to uh, make anybody no longer a bourbon drinker or a rye drinker or a scotch drinker uh we realize <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so we realize that you know guys like us we all we have like a merry-go-round of like maybe like seven or eight go-tos,
0: mm-hmm, sure and then and
2: then, and then 50 <laughs> you know sometimes um you know we i would love it if you know five years from now if every bourbon drinker or rye drinker you know in his or her rotation of seven or eight go-to's had an american single malt Um, uh, you know we're not trying to push anybody else out we just want to be part of the game and i think that uh, people, uh, there's a lot to be found if people open their mind to it. And I, and I hope that people will start to, I think they will.
1: I think one of the things that we pride ourselves in here when we have guests on is we don't open their stuff unless it's something that we've already had before. Right. Um, until the show. So like, <clears throat> this is not anything we've ever had until tonight. Um, for one, it's not available in Ohio, but for two, we just make a point not to open it until the show begins. And then our first drink is on the show so that you get an honest experience with what we think of it. Um, I know we've had trouble hiding it sometimes, yeah. <laughs> what that real experience was.
3: We didn't have a second pour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. If you want to go back and listen, that's probably one of the, yeah. way, one of the ways you can figure it out. Um, but I will say because of that, we do give an honest, you know, uh, review of, of what we're drinking. Um, generally when I don't like something, you'll say, well, I mean, it's not really my taste profile, <laughs> yeah. but I like this. And I, I was honestly worried for the last week or so, knowing this was our next episode we were recording, whether or not I was going to like this just because for one, it's a single malt and I haven't had a hundred percent like, you know, yeah,
3: good experience yes, with
1: most it. bourbons, even when they're not a bourbon that I truly, truly like, I can enjoy it. Sure. I've had some single malts that I could not enjoy mm-hmm. at all and this is not one of them. I've really enjoyed this. This is good, good enough that yes as Brett mentioned I've had a second glass <laughs> and I was going to tell you on that second glass I was getting even more of like a chocolate covered dark fruit type of note. It just and in the nose too it mm-hmm. started popping out even more now that I've had it and it's just really really a, a nice pleasant that's a that's a good word yeah. for this. This is a very pleasant whiskey. Um and it's I I think it's complex in the sense that I can drink it from multiple glasses, and I'm still getting some different nuances with each with each yeah. uh, sip. I'm
3: so getting that white pepper you talked about too earlier. Yeah, Definitely. yeah. As soon as he mentioned oh, it, I didn't say this because
1: because we were talking, but as soon as he mentioned that, I was like, oh, that could yeah, be, that could be very well
3: what it is. So,
1: um, I do want to say thank you for coming on. Thank you for sending this bottle. Yes, thank um, you. This is going to be something that I'm going to be. Um, When I I have people over all the time, we uh, I have a little bourbon room back there, and and people always come down and ask what they should drink, and I'm going to put this on a couple of people that I know like you know some different things like scotch and Irish whiskey and stuff just to see what they think of this because I really enjoy this, so uh, I'm glad we have this, and I'm glad I have a whole bottle here because I know no, I'm definitely. going to push this on a few of my friends as they come over. So. <laughs>
2: well, gentlemen, this is a, an absolute pleasure. I appreciate it. Uh if you guys ever make it to Baltimore, we'd love, love, love to show you around and pop it's some Yeah, and
1: Might be there and June. Uh, hey, dog, Uh so. yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, banks. He's the old man. <laughs> He's hot. Uh, hey, yeah, right hey,
2: please let us know. If I'm not here, one of us is near Arch, one of us is almost always here. So uh, you know, if I'm not here, he'll be here. We'd love, you know. It's a great excuse to stop doing accounting and come out and drink whiskey. So you'll be doing <laughs> me you'll be doing me a favor if uh, if you come out and visit
3: twist my arm yeah
1: <laughs> well yeah. we definitely like uh this this expression that we have tonight and we're going to keep our eye on you guys because this is uh this is definitely uh peaked my interest mm-hmm. when it comes to single malt american whiskey so uh, american single malt however you say it um yeah so i, I i'm gonna i'm gonna keep my eye on you guys and, and watch as you guys uh grow so uh good luck with that um and if i am Visiting my relatives, I will definitely yeah uh, pick one of these up. Well, not just oh, that, yeah. I'll stop. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, come on so, by, yeah. 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 But uh, I'll I'll reach out to you separately about that shirt because that's a great shirt idea.
3: That's, <laughs> yeah. Yes,
1: that is fantastic. <laughs> I love that shirt idea. I'm I'm literally going to yeah. go back and look at the transcript and and get that <laughs> because I, and I'm going to send you one. So I'll I'll, I'll ask for your shirt I size. Love it. And,
2: so, uh, uh, yeah, I'm a, a, I'm a girl, small. Medium. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Medium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All
1: right. Well, uh, thank you for having us. Uh, thanks for being on the show, and uh, thanks for the uh, the sample. This was this was really good, and I'm glad uh, you were able to give us some history, and uh, also some definitions of uh, American single malt, which is is nice and uh, so informative and tasty. I will say. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate it.
0: Have a good night.